Welcome to the Radical Underground. I'm your host, Steve Williams, a.k.a. Radical Strength Coach. My guest today is Dan Hegerick. I think I hope I got the name right. He's a six-time cancer survivor who describes himself as a student and teacher of life. He inspires, educates, and coaches individuals and groups why and how to live with aliveness, personal awareness, and personal responsibility, how to essentially get on with your life. During the last 20 plus years, he's traveled wild, widely in pursuit of pioneering knowledge in national health and he- natural health and healing, earning certifications in sports massage therapy, holistic counseling, corrective exercise, lifestyle coaching, applied kinesiology, Qigong, nutritional balance and science, life coaching, and conscious breath work. He offers, in 2015, he was granted permission by Grandmaster Fu to facilitate MI Qigong Universal Mantra, a self-healing technique for tapping into the energy around us for health, healing, personal growth, and spiritual development. He offers classes, workshops, and professional talks on his journey from a living hell to heaven on earth. He helps clients navigate out of their pain towards self-mastery, disease-free living by aligning with nature's laws and their true, own, authentic nature. That's some bio. It's August the 11th, 2020, the year the shit hit the fan. Welcome, Dan. (laughs) Welcome, Dan. I I feel like we're brothers already. Uh, Literally. are, Are you in Berkshire, Massachusetts? I'm in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. Yeah, that's right on the border of New York. Right, right. Well, I'm in a, a little town called Jarrow in the northeast of England. Okay. Yeah. Very lovely. good. We've got lovely weather today. We have it as well. This, well, this summer's, you know, been the summer, the summer of chaos, but the summer of beautiful weather. I don't understand. Yeah. So there's the beauty and the ugliness, I guess. Without a doubt. That's, that's some bio you have there, Dan, and I know you have a, a remarkable story to tell. It's funny because I feel like I've known you for a long, long time. and that probably Exactly. Comes, that probably comes from back in the day when I used to, uh, I used to read your posts on the Czech Forum and more. both come through the Paul Czech program. Right. That was 25 years ago, <laughs> 20-something years ago. Well, well, it was 15 years ago when I was, when I was going through it. Um, but I used to I used to look up to you, and you probably didn't even know. I didn't even I mean I didn't even know what you looked like. But I used to always remember um, in your tagline, you used to have uh, six times cancer survivor, and I used yeah. to think this guy's been through the mill. He's came up the other end, and he's worth listening to. And I used to read uh, everything you used to write. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, that really means something to me. All right. Yeah. Uh, so here well, we are with our. We're having a family reunion. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so how, how old are you now, Dan? Fifty-five. 55 well I'm, I'm 53 so um well, well if you could if you could start um by telling us uh, when you know when you were first diagnosed with a cancer and tell yeah. us and tell us uh, you know what that window was in years the time period yeah when, when the cancer occurred the six times sure thing so i was following the american dream the script that we're all told that we have to get a job get a good education get 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 good pay you know and then find a woman, get married, have a house, the whole thing. And then you, you basically save for retirement in your 20s. You know, life is over. You know? And at 28, 
I was on course. I was a professional engineer or online to become a professional engineer in the city of Boston. And I became sick. I came ill. It was like flu, you know, and it progressed. And my body temperature started to rise above 102, 103, 104. I was getting night sweats, rigors, which are uncontrollable shivers. Uh, a tumor or something started to, I felt some pain right here. And that was in my uh, clavicle region for all your listeners yeah. and the lymph nodes in the clavicle region. And I felt like a little stone, like a little pea sized stone that was really hard. And when I hit it, it put an electrical charge right down the whole side of my right body, which I thought was a, a great sensitivity of my part that this was something wrong. This was not a, a just a normal flu. And then I monitored it um, obsessively and it started growing from that pea size to a walnut, I mean, to an almond. And finally, I got myself into the emergency room and the doctor said, you should get that biopsied immediately. And so we went into this very fast paced, what's happening. And uh, I, got, I got the biopsy. He thought it was gonna be some kind of cancer, but not knowing what it is, benign, so they sent out to pathology, and I set up an appointment with Dr. Lawrence Cloud in Boston. So what year, what year, what year was that done? 1994. So the spring of 1994. So I was 28, going on 29. So that was a while back. And so I walked into Dr. Lawrence's Cloud, Lawrence Cloud's office, you know, with some trepidation, but also with a sense of open-mindedness. I was just saying, just be open-minded. You don't really know, but I just want to, I'm curious, what's my, what's the pathology? So when I went in, he was standing up and I was uh, coming in, we shook hands and we met eye to eye. And he, he said, he had one question. This was the first words from an oncologist to the 28. He's probably 60 years old, old school, Harvard looking kind of doctor. Almost like he, you would say he would look like my dad, kind of but he, he was a fashion disaster. He had like corduroy and plaid and, but anyway, nevertheless. So he, we shook hands meeting eye to eye and he has had this one question, Dan, how did such a young man such as yourself get into the business of cancer? And so that was, that was, that was it. That was my life syllabus right there. So what happened was, is I turned the question inward. And when we really turn a real question inward, the mind seeks the answer, whether it's a rational answer or an irrational answer. My mind saw immediately what happened to me. And I had immediately said, wow, I, if I was more like Christ, would I be here right now? If I was being more Christ-like in my life, would I be like here right now? Now, don't take that as a religious statement. That was just because I was brought up Catholic. What it was interpreted as in that same eternal moment was I had lost connection to my true self and my true connection to the source of life. And in that, it then showed me all the ways mentally how I manipulate the world to get what I wanted because happiness is outside of me. That's the American dream. That's the process of being programmed into thinking happiness was outside of me into people, places, and things of the world. And just as the two-year-old might have gotten the lollipop for crying, you start crying again to get the lollipop. And then your strategies to get the lollipop get more complex. 
And the more intelligent you are, the more you think you're not manipulating the world. <laughs> and so, where does that... Go so ahead. Was, were, you, were you thinking like this after the first time you got the cancer? No. That's no, what I not, mean. Not, not, so, no. What, what, what happened after that? How many, you know, how, did you go through the medical model the six times? Sure. So, yeah, at the end of that, at the end of that um, conversation, he said, with a little bit of pain and suffering, you will grow stronger which I took and in, interpreted as if I head in the direction of my true self, I, I'm going to have to go through some pain, but I'll get stronger within the connection to my true self. So the only thing he knew how to offer me was, well, you know, we'll give it, you know, we'll give it a shot. We have, um, we have uh, chemotherapy we're going to do. There's a standard protocol for everyone, which is obviously a red flag right there now. And uh, I said, all right, well, you do your part. I'm going to have to do my part. And he, he just ended the conversation, essentially said, you picked the wrong one. It's not a good one. It's a very aggressive form. And except, so I did the medicine, but the medicine didn't answer the question. So Dan, how did you get into the business of cancer? Well, I didn't take enough chemo along the way. See, it doesn't answer the question, so it can't cure the question. So my internal unconscious self accepted this as buying me the time to answer that question. So yes, I went through chemo and I went through it a lot. Yeah, so was that, so was that like the chemo, the radiation? Did he do that six times and it kept returning? So yeah, exactly. So I did an eight month protocol and then it returned or went into re, it went into remission short term. It relapsed. I did a bone marrow transplant. It went into short term remission. It relapsed. So we went through this process for five more times. And yes, I did radiation because it relapsed into my spine and into my, some of my ribs. So we're starting to get more aggressive. And it's the same form of cancer, but it, it expresses itself differently. So, so what was the time period, you know, from the first Six period? years. Six years. Six years. And so the last time, this was an interesting thing because I had started to study the human body and I joined the Czech Institute back in 97 and that was really the impetus of uh, if i can get my body into good alignment then it's going to take me back to wholeness if i can start eating whole food that means it's going to take me back to wholeness and this was a huge learning curve for a kid that came through the standard american diet and the standard way of life you know dabbling with some salads and dabbling with a case of beer you know <laughs> and just eating whatever was available so that was the, the beginning process of awakening into wholeness. And uh, in 1998, I was starting to get into my, well, 1997, May of 1997, that was my fifth relapse, fourth relapse. And I started with really diving into the Czech Institute and answering this question that it, Dr. Lawrence Cloud gave me. And I went into a two-year remission the longest remission. I mean, that was remarkable until my wife finally left our marriage, shockingly, to with another man. And so what that happened was that left me with another in, soul injury, which was I'm suffering on this and all my jealousy, rage and anger was coming up. And I was able to use that similar question that Dr. Lawrence Cloud gave me to me was saying, why am I suffering for her choices? And I said, oh, there's my happiness that I believe left me. And now I'm stuck with my unhappiness. And no wonder why the relationship wasn't going to last, because 
I was unhappy and holding her responsible for it. So that was the moment that I had to take 100% responsibility for all of my life. I had to learn how to be happy with me. And I call that joy because no one can take your joy away. Exactly. If you, you've, you've got problems as soon as you start putting placing your happiness on someone outside you. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and if they're responsible for my happiness and unhappiness, it's major conflict. So I was, I was in that moment when I answered that question, I actually cried in a, in a happy way and, and in a sad way. And again, it was back to that initial meeting with Dr. Lawrence Cloud that I put my happiness into the people, places and things of the world. And so now I started to dive into studying happiness and, uh, and getting to the belief systems that I harbored about my own low self-esteem or no self-esteem. And that was a, a year process. But here's the interesting thing. In that same token of awakening, I drifted into a mental bipolar episode. So I was in a state of chaos, too, because it rocked my world so hard. And we had a history of bipolar mental illness. So it triggered it pretty heavy. And I was going manic and depressed at the same time. So I went into psychiatric help. But the pressure started to build between this conflict of knowing and not and, and wanting to stay in that comfort of the pain. Um, it led me to a suicide attempt in the spring of 2000. And uh, is, this, is, this, that, is this a gun club? Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, that was an amazing experience. I, I know listeners are probably thinking that's crazy, but I went into a gun club because I wanted to end the pain. Nobody wants to kill themselves. They just want to end the pain because we don't have any life skills and a community of support, which doesn't mean it, all you need is one more person for a community of support. You don't need a dozen. And I, I basically went into the gun club and I got a gun and I went into the range and no one was there. So it was a perfect setting. And I got into an argument in my head as I was there. I loaded the gun and all of a sudden there was these two characters inside of me going, go ahead, you fucking pussy. Go ahead, hit, shoot yourself, kill yourself. I dare you. And then the other part of me is going, you can't do it. You're a wimp. You have no self confidence. You can't do this. No self-confidence. You're just so weak in yourself. These two were going back and forth for about a good couple minutes. And then this third, I don't know, entity came into play going, hey, if you two are going to keep arguing, why don't you just take a shot at the target? And I thought, well, that's okay. That seems like a good idea. We both agreed. Like the both parts said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I took the gun and I, I never shot a gun ever, except for the gun training that I did to get the gun, to be able to go into the gun club. And so I, I focused so intensely, almost hyper-focused on that target, the target started to grow and fill the room. And I started to drift into what I call the holotropic experience of life. And I, in that moment, there was no pain, no suffering, there was absolutely nothing. And if you wanted to put a word for it, I entered the, the present moment so profoundly. And I shot all the bullets into the target. And I looked at the gun and I said, wow, it's amazing that guns don't kill people. It's the suffering within the person that kills another person. 
And in- you even thought deeply about what part of your brain you were going to shoot the gun through to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, Stephen. Uh, because I, I remember the, the movie Le- uh, Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson put the gun in his mouth. So that was where I went, the, the impact of Hollywood, right? I'm like, I survived cancer so far. I might survive this in a worse condition and put a lot of pressure on other people. So I don't want to make it uh, that I don't want to have that chance. So I put it behind the lump of knowledge in the skull where people do a karate chop to knock you out. So if you put it there and angle it about 25 degrees, you'll hit the medulla oblongata and you'll actually shut the body right up. You'll just die instant. And that's how they take care of a cattle. Like if a cattle, if they want to put a cattle down, they'll give it a shock stroke to the back of the net, that, that spot. So, so I was, I was, I was thinking deeply on, on behalf of like, how can I make this clean on everybody else? So I'm not a mess, right? Uh, not the physical mess, but the, the mental mess. So, uh, yeah, I left the gun club and I was like, I was in a, almost like a Kundalini crisis because there was so much energy in me, uh, about this awareness that I had no place to ground it. Once again, I really didn't have a big community of support in my family or uh, social structure. But I emailed Paul Check. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, you know, like you go through all these conventional treatments because uh, I've got my own little story about how I, how I came across Paul Check. How did you come across Paul Check? So that was when I was exploring how do I put the body back together uh, when I had cancer. I was like, I got to explore nutrition and movement. The old, the old language was diet and exercise, but that doesn't mean anything. Diet and exercise is useless now. We have to upgrade it to nutrition and movement. You need to nourish your body and you need to move it according to what your needs are first to get to what you want. And most people just want to move in a, in a manner that they want, thinking it's going to get them their needs met, but it doesn't. You have to have someone coach you to find out what you need in your movement strategy to get to where you want. So the same thing with nourishment, most people don't know what they need. They just know what their craving is. And that craving is nothing, that's so far away from what you need. When I, when I, was, when I was reading your posts back in the day, I, I, I'm sure I can remember you, um, you were eating uh, raw liver blended up. Yeah, it's river, was, river smoothies. <laughs> so far outside my comfort zone. Then. <laughs> yeah, I'll do a. I will do a video on my YouTube channel about that because a lot of people. That what happened was is when I left the medical model. So here's what happened when I got out of the when I got out of the psychiatric ward and I got out of the the problem with uh, committing suicide. I then talked to Paul Check and I said, "Here's my experience." And I also added to him that I had, a, I had information come to me because I surrendered. I said, I'm not going to medicine ever again because it's based on fear. Because, Stephen, I went into the actual psycho, psych, uh, psych ward with my own accord, and I said, I need to learn how to love myself back to health. That's what the gun club showed me. I need to learn how to love myself and build my self-esteem. They smirked. They completely what is it? I don't know. They just, um, it felt like complete societal abandonment because they it's said it was my mental illness. They said it was my mental illness. Cause if you're under mental care, anything you can say or anything you say is contrived or contrived as being from your mental illness. 
It's not true because you're not in a, a, a normal state of mind because you're under psychiatric care. So I was so angry and uh, I didn't know how to really, I, you know, my emotional literacy back then was zero. You know, you have to, yeah, yeah, dead right. You have to. They're very dismissive and ridicule. Uh, you know these type of. Uh, you know they're, they're totally closed-minded where that's concerned, and that and you even have to overcome that because when when you speak to these types of people about them things, it knocks you down a little bit. You have to. Okay. You, you, you go away like a little bit disheartened and think, yeah. Well, I wonder if it is a waste of time. Yeah, you felt like punching them and because yeah. they, they weren't listening. And the reason is, is here's one of the reasonings is because they don't have a product or service that supplies you that need. Yeah. Right. And so they're just defending their livelihood yeah. <clears throat> unconsciously. I don't know if it's conscious, but it's an unconscious thing. So I, I in lockdown, it's, it's everything. It's everything they learn in medical school, isn't it? And that's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else outside of that is quackery. So in lockdown, I'm there for a minimum of seven days under this type of care. And in about 48 hours, my cancer came back for the sixth time while I was in that psych ward, raging. And that was my anger. I, you know, that was, that was just, I was so angry at society um, and, and life, but. And anger, anger has to be released. As well, doesn't it? Because if you're <laughs> I'm under their care, I'm under this, these people's care. So I, I realized that the whole medical system, not only the cancer treatment, but the actual psychological and mental and human support <clears throat> is based on fear. And it's not the individuals. I, I don't want to discredit any individual. I just want to say that the, the indoctrinant and the system is built on this uh, notion of fear. And I needed the opposite to get well. And so I asked late night, it was late night. The only way I could deal with my anger was doing push-ups and just like, you know, just burning that energy off. And a, a, a nurse came in at about three in the morning. What are you doing? I'm like, uh, dude, I got to get out of here. What do I need to do? This place is a joke. And he said, just do, they need to know that you're getting better and you're, you're doing well and just do what they say and tell them what they want to hear. I'm like, that's easy. I could do that. So I'm like, I'll take a sewing class. I'll do whatever they want me to do. Right. And finally I got out in seven days and I went home to my mom's. That's when I actually emailed Paul and I said, Hey, this is my experience at the gun club at the psych ward. And I downloaded some information about uh, the fact that when I was an engineer working on hazardous waste sites, I said, Hey, I'm a hazardous waste site. I am physically, physiologically, emotionally toxic. And I became aware of how we used to treat the earth with hazardous waste sites that are toxic. So we used to assess the toxicity, especially in the uh, earth or the soil and in the water. And I was like, wow, this is interesting because some, some of the engineers were talking about bacteria and enzymes to come in to help remediate the situation. I was like, I think I have a, a, a problem with germs, like with the phobia around germs, and that my mouth to anus is the earth element. It's exactly the same thing, or it should be, because it's, that's where we plant the seed of our soul to create our inspired life in some cases, right, in some way. So I told Paul this, and he's like, all right, you're ready for two things. The power of now from Eckhart Tolle, which was really hot back then. 
Yeah, and, and I'm sure you lived that parallel life with him, yeah, as yeah. I did. And, and, then, and then the second one was maximal health through the large intestine, or maximal health through colon health from David Webster, which was a reforestation of the probiotics up in the rectum as a rectal implant. And, yeah. um, and I go... How about, how about doing that? Yeah, well, I was like, this is exactly how I was thinking in terms of our engineering to help remediate the, the soil in some ways. It was really beginning phases of that discussion. It, we never did that, but it was beginning phases of discussing it. I thought, well, I guess I'm a little advanced here. I'll do it. And as I started to apply that and some key essential oils, which were lavender, frankincense, and clove, I started to do rectal implants with that. And my tumors went away and they started going away in four months as I started to do that. And then in five months, everything was gone. And there was other psychological things I was doing. So I said, I have to build health. And so I looked at everything that was in disarray at my mom's place. And I started to repair it all as it was my body. So I projected the house with leaking doors, you know, with termites, I projected that as my house and I'm going to love uh, that my home, my bodily house. And I'm going to project that I'm healing my, my body through that process. So I was using imagination. And then next part was I had to integrate into society. So I started, me and my sisters went and we started, a, uh, we went to a bowling league. <laughs> and, and so we joined a bowling league just for laughs. And I'll tell you, Stephen, these little things people don't realize are the answer to your cancer or your problems because it, you're, you're addressing multiple things from all kinds of angles. Yeah. That's the complexity of my personality too. So you can imagine that's, that's why I have this really holistic view on health and healing and not just one narrow aspect. It's not just your breathing. It's not just your mental state, you know, and to make light of it. So I went and I, I was doing bowling and then I went and got a little part-time job just for kicks and giggles and, or volunteering. But most of it was just the mental aspect. If I'm vacuuming out my mom's car, I'm vacuuming my body. Like I could feel it. Like I tried to feel it inside. Like I'm vacuuming out the dirt. I'm vacuuming out all the crap. I wash her car. I'm washing my body. Well, when you well, when you when you visualize things, the nervous system perceives it as actually happening, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's the truth of it. Yeah, at least in my experience. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, fear is not a bad motivator. <laughs> it's just energy. We judge it as bad, but we can use it to our advantage if it's if it, if we're using it. It's only when fear uses you and suppresses you. But when you can use that fear to channel it into something. Uh, more remarkable in your life or to lift you up out of fear and the suffering, then it's a beautiful energy source. Yeah. And so here we are now. And so that, that was the whole prep in 2000, uh, in the summer of 2000, the end of it, I was on board with the two things. Oh, I got to actually open a relationship with the germs. Germs don't cause illness. No, they don't. Uh. So, that was my exploration back then. And of course, now we know that the, the, the people can understand that we live in a world of duality. So if you look at germs cause illness, you will find evidence for that. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't find it, you'll create it to satisfy what you want to believe. But in this world of duality, all statements have an opposite. 
to uphold it. So if you say germs cause illness, the opposite must be true. Germs don't cause illness. And if you look at that and you, you go into that side of the coin, you're going to find evidence and validate it. And so it's just a matter of which... Like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, we create our own reality. That's the hardest thing for people to handle is you're 100% responsible for your life and we create our reality. So I just wanted to take a look at, in my personal case about cancer, cancer is a disease. Well, the opposite is true too. Cancer is not a disease. If you say cancer is a disease, that means something outside of you is causing you your problems. It's the so terrain. it's disempowering. It's your, it's your own terrain, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, it's your own. It's your, It's it's that in the environment in which you're in. Yeah. Right, because the environment plays a major role. So that doesn't mean. Well, that all has your own terrain. And then it affects the terrain. Yeah, and so cancer is not a disease. Is the way I started to view this. And so I had a telescopic view. I pulled back and it was more empowering. And so my life was set up to become more on the path of self-empowering. I once read, sorry, sorry for interrupting. I once read a, an amazing book and it was, it was uh, recommended by Paul Check. And uh, the guy said, um, a tumor is the body's answer to a problem. It said the tumor grows because if it didn't, it would just it would annihilate your organs. Yeah, and that book was uh, chemotherapy heals uh, cures cancer, and the world is flat. And it was by a German, <laughs> it was by a German guy. <laughs> I never read it. Sorry for interrupting. You just triggered some. No, I, no, good. Share it with the audience. They need to hear that stuff. Uh, the yeah, so they so navigating back to the true self. So that's my path. Is I wanted to be me. I wanted to be me, but then I have to question who is this me, right? All the way along. So you had all these, so you had all, you know, you've got the visualization, you've got this, this, this dialogue going on with yourself. Um, you're taking yourself out of toxic environments. What about nutrition? What, what, were you, what, were you, what nutritional protocols were you following? Yeah, so that was because I started with on that path of nutrition. It was whole food in the first place. So can I get food that was uh, given to me according to nature? How would, I, how would I eat if I was in nature, right? How would I consume food? What would be the food? So I started that process where I was getting whole food almost every day fresh, as though I was like hunting. And I took it as though that was my job. My job was to heal myself first. I had nothing to do with anyone else. And that's, of course, why my wife had to leave, because I had to heal myself. I can't be of service to you if I don't do that. And I can't be of service to the humanity if I can't heal myself. So my job, which was a full-time plus job, uh, was to heal myself. So uh, Whole Foods was the starting point. I, I read my first book on nutrition was the zone diet back then was really hot. 40, 30, 30 made a lot of sense about sugar. And, uh, and then I started to apply that. But here's a kicker. The second thing I noticed in that summer of 2000, along with the germ theory being obsolete in my life, in my view, and that was my exploration. The second phobia that the general public has with regards to nutrition is the fear of saturated animal fat as part of the human diet. So if you combine those two things, the fear of germs and the fear of saturated fat, animal fat, you're already setting that the, what I'm theorizing is that all chronic degenerative disease has that in play. 
Yeah. I mean, as a correlation, not as a causation, right? And certainly you could look at it. So I was like, oh, back to butter, <laughs> you know, and cream. And, and then the second part of nutrition was improving the quality of the resource. And I learned that from the Czech Institute with Paul's You Are What You Eat program. And he, he was a great epicenter for knowledge in the area of nutrition and movement for me that, at that time. And he turned me on to the Weston A. Price Foundation and Sally Fallon's work. So I was diving into all of that. And of course, uh, Francis Pondinger and his cat study. And as I dove in deeper, it was validating my, my two things that I learned in the field of wanting to live, which was the germ theory is obsolete. And of course, raw food nutrition uh, supplies us with the microbial community. Right? And it connects us to the, the earth element, which I was saying before, the earth element is the digestive tract from the mouth to the anus. And it, it directly refers to digestion, the earth element. So if you have problems with your digestion, you have a problem with your microbial community and your relationship with the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I read that. I, I read all them works as well at the time. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been there's been we've been battered with uh, saturated fats, the devil for for, for decades, um, and it hasn't done anything for, for for disease or anything. You know, avoiding fat, and it's even coming out that LD. You know, they're talking about the good and bad cholesterol. It's even coming out now that uh, LDLs uh, got really beneficial uses. Of course, they're going to find that out. It wouldn't uh, be there. <laughs> I mean, it's I, like I'm, saying I'm full on carnivore now. Me, I've been I've been for six months. Yeah, um, and every I kind of believe that. Like I've, been, I've 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 tried all the credible diets over the years: the metabolic typing, uh, the zone diet, um, yeah, blood type, you know, uh, it, yeah, the yeah, blood type. Yeah, you know, for me, it wasn't until I took vegetables completely out of the equation um, yep. and just live on animals and animal fat. And I, I just kind of believe that the turnaround and the health is just rapid. Exactly. And so uh, I've, I've gone to what, you know, Paul Saladino, who's the carnivore doctor, right? The MD carnivore. Yeah, you got it, right? Yeah. And so, and, and also Sally, uh, Sally Norton will come out with her book on oxalates. And that's why the vegetable kingdom is really problematic because of all the toxic toxins inside the plant kingdom that you don't know. Because they want to survive. They want to survive. Yeah, they've got to protect themselves. They got to. And so they'll take you down slowly or quickly. I mean, there's something in the plant kingdom that'll take you down right away, straight away. But then they can take you down slowly. So, so I started working with her uh, personally on oxalates because my metabolic system was still challenged from the chemo. Now, remember, there's in the, in the law of, or not in the law, in the principles of natural health, there's only one disease. We all have it to a more or less a degree. It's a loss of homeostasis at the cellular level. That was, and, going, to be, that was going to be one of my questions. Yeah, so it's a good transition right into it. So, you know, so cancer is not a disease. It's an expression of the disease. And that disease is loss of homeostasis in the, in the naturopathic world. And so what are the causes? Well, it's nutritional deficiency and some sort of toxicity or excess within the cell. But you can also talk about damage, right? Which people don't talk about as a problem. 
It's not just a nutritional deficiency and it's not just an excess because if that's been happening, you got damage, damage control. And so you're going to need a lot of resources to fix the damage before you actually even get to the point of fulfilling cellular function. Right. So I had a lot of damage. I mean, radical damage from, you know, five bouts of chemotherapy, four bouts of chemotherapy, and then a bone marrow transplant. And then of course the radiation to the spine and to the gut. I mean, literally right at the adrenal glands and kidneys. So to make light of it, uh, we just need to keep the process heading in that direction of how do I nourish myself? How do I get rid of the excess? And how do I just keep doing what I need to do to build a body so that it can house my inspiration for living? Yeah. And build a body so it can handle energy. So the oxalates were a problem. Yeah, you mentioned the oxalates. I think uh, I think that was the problem when I was, you know, when I was on a metabolic tank that came up as a fast oxidizer. Um, but for me vegetables, I was eating tons of spinach. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Cool. But there I think when I wasn't clicking, I wasn't making the connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, no, because we don't know these things. We just took it for granted as a default program. Popeye, we, we, we grew up watching Popeye. Yeah. You know, exactly. so, yeah, yeah. so what do so they call that, uh, the doctor on the oxalates? Uh, Sally Norton, did he say? Yeah, Sally Norton. So she's, a, she's definitely a lead player in the oxalates. Well, I was told, uh, I also got, I don't know if you've got his book, uh, it's a carnivore diet by Dr. Sean Baker. No, I don't. Well, that's it. He's, he's, I follow, the, follow him on Instagram. He says every, he's, a, he's 53, he's in fantastic shape. Um, and he says that every now and again, what he does is he puts um, he puts vegetables back in his diet, and then, yeah. he, and then for a few days he gets aches and pains in all his joints. Yeah, and he takes them out again and they disappear. And he just yeah. does this to prove it to himself, you know, reprove it to himself. Yeah, well, once you once you are away from him a long enough time, you become more sen- you sensitized to him. Yeah. Right. So the thing that I found that are okay with me is a little bit of fruit in season. Because fruit is a totally different product than the leaves, stalks, and roots of vegetation. It's a whole different thing. And so in season, mammals, many animals and mammals and primal mammals will go for fruit and honey. Well, yeah, or just for the hell of pleasure, you know, just like to just have a quality of life of like, it's okay to have a little pleasure. And, uh, but, you know, what was it? I just did a video on, it's coming out on my YouTube channel about, turkey ceviche so i deboned a 13 pound turkey a half a half a turkey and i took that and i made ceviche with it it it's it's an amazing food i was i was like i could just eat that all summer with oysters of course but uh yeah so the carnivore diet is really for that fall and winter and early spring months and then as spring comes i don't mind a little bit of fruit for offering me pleasure and secondly soften me just to soften my approach so i don't lock into an identity right. that you know a now just narrowing it down so i'll have a coffee those you know i have my my pleasure foods i don't call them cheat foods they're just pleasure just let it all go don't let your mind get involved with i'm doing something wrong see that's the that's that's the one thing that i, that I can't seem to let go of me uh, me machu picchu kind of coffee <laughs> <laughs> Just drink it with some cream. I hypothesize that if you have some beautiful raw cream, yeah, 
that it helps with the acrylamides. Right. And dark roast apparently is not as bad with the acrylamides. Well, dairy, dairy still doesn't sit right with me. Either does eggs or pork. Um, oh, that's too bad. I can see. I can. I can go the expand. I can even eat gluten. Yeah, I can I mean, eat a piece of bread. I think. I think I'll, I'll get to the point. It doesn't affect us like it used to. Yeah, you know, right. Still in a phase of healing myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So the summertime, I don't mind having some sourdough with a, a good bone broth, but it's only you know whatever. It's it's not a regular thing. It's not something I I need. It's a want again. So. And if I say, oh, I need a little pleasure right now with this, that's fine. Yeah. So I know, I know you're, big on, um, you're big on rest and uh, circadian, circadian rhythms. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners what circadian rhythms are, um, what happens when they go wrong, and how, you've, how, you, how you repair yours? Sure. Let me preface it. Is the, the circadian rhythm is your generative system, the, re, the ability to regenerate. It's the fire element. You can call it light if you like, but it's the fire element in us. And it refers to our nervous system and hormonal system because they're both married. So if someone says I have a hormonal imbalance, you have a nervous imbalance as well. So don't just go after your hormonal system. You're missing, the, you're missing it. And so in essence, because the fire element is circadian rhythm, you are out of sync with your natural rhythm within the natural world. So how, you know, how does that show up? It can show up as anything. Poor digestion, because it's affecting the nervous system and the hormonal system. So that can, that can show up anyway, in any place, any you know, shape. The number one is insomnia or inability to sleep. That's one. And weight loss uh, or weight management. Yeah. Uh, ability to mentally rest. So, so is, it, is the repair going to sleep with the darkness and waking up with the light? Yeah, we're diurnal. We, we're supposed to wake up with the birds, right around the birds. We're supposed to, you know, stretch out and go hunt. Yeah, I've been doing that for years, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I still can't sleep, seem to sleep more than six and a half, seven hours. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that might be there is a judgment. You know, that I'm supposed to get eight, <laughs> you know, I'm doing something wrong. So you just roll with it. You should just say, I'm blessed. I could have more life to live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. still at the eight. I'm still at about this eight, eight hours, eight hours a night in the, uh, in the summer yeah. and probably more like nine, nine and a half in the winter. Wow. But we should I, get I, more I, rest. I must, I must admit when the, when the, when the mornings are dark, I do, I do get slightly more. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. As the as the seasons go, we're supposed to go within. Yeah. So when it gets dark, we're supposed to go within. That's why this whole notion of vitamin D creating depression is not true in my world. Because if you're in the winter and you have sad, right, yeah. seasonal disorder. Yeah. So the reason is is you're fighting that you want it to be summer, and it's actually winter, and you're afraid to be with yourself and not do anything. So just calm down and meditate more and to relax a little bit more and to shut down a little bit more. Right. So, and then once you think that it's a, once someone says it's a, it's a disorder, you're going to actually mentally accept that and make it worse. Yeah. 
So when you're talking about um, repairing the circadian rhythms as well, um, you, you, you know, you, you, I know you're big on uh, electromagnetic field exposure and stuff like that. That affects all the circadian rhythms. Well, it's artificial. It's yeah. like it's like eating plastic salad. Yeah, it's artificial. So it's a biological mismatch to us, right? And we know that. We definitely know that. All you have to do is put your feet on the beach, and you know something happens to you. Right. So, you know, instantly you're like, oh, I wish I could live here. <laughs> and then, so we know it. We just have a hard time understanding that when we understand that the artificial things in our life affect us, that's OK. We can actually create strategies to mitigate the damage. Right. That's what we want to do. We want to mitigate the damage that's within our control, within ourselves and our house. And then maybe we can expand it to the community, which some people do. And so the, the effects of circadian rhythm in the generative system and getting it back, I used to learn this thing called fire therapy. You could call it light therapy or whatever, but fire is actually the sun that's trapped in the wood. So you're returning the source of energy to its origination. So it's just sunlight trapped. So you're freeing it. And so when you sit with a fire by yourself, especially outside, you can start to really, really heal because it shuts the nervous system off, the sympathetic nervous system down. And it starts to strengthen the parasympathetic nervous system. Most people's sympathetic nervous system is either on hypervigilance and so they think that they're hypersensitive, which they're probably not. They're probably just hypervigilant. And secondly, it's burnt out. It's exhausted. It's weakened because of overtraining. Yeah. So now the parasympathetic nervous system, you sit with a fire by yourself and you keep that fire lit. And if you do that for four complete nights in a row and fast, you can tell how damaged you are with your circadian rhythm. Because if you feel worse at the end of those four days you got some work to do. But if you're feeling better, well, then, you have, then you're not as bad off. So what's, what's, what's the longest you fasted for? Oh, I do, I do five days, and I, did it, I do it about five to six times a year. Right. I've been doing that for, this is my third year. Right. Wow. Yeah. Five days. <laughs> yeah. And it's a challenge because one of the statements I've learned in life is – if you have to go without something, you have to go within. And we don't practice going within. So do you, well, you, you know, when you're going on them five-day fasts, are you, are, you, are you sedentary? Are you just going about your business? No, I go about my business. Right. I listen to the body. It's a, it's, a, it's a place to go within and really listen to the body. And so I can be humble with how strong I really am. How adaptive am I? How connected am I to other energy sources? Because there is other energy sources other than food. Yeah, yeah. You know, and food is actually the most densest form of energy. So it's not the, it's not the most effective because we have to eat so much. Yeah. You know, so the idea is for me, it's a spiritual process for a lack of definition, I guess, or uh, semantics. But it's just about going within and listening to my body so I can actually say, I feel fatigued. I don't need food. That would be a go-to. What do I need? What's my real need? I actually need to give myself permission to rest. 
okay, well, I have a family of five. How am I going to do that? You know, like I don't. I'm just saying if your listeners like, oh, that's crazy. I have other things. Well, it's a practice. You practice 24 hours a week. Listen to this. Numbers are really important. If you stopped eating 24 hours per week for seven years, you just took one whole year off from eating. Yeah. yeah, well, they say when you're not eating, your digestive system isn't working, your body's putting energy into other, other things. Right, especially if, it's, especially if it's all this artificial stuff and it's cooked and it's hard on the digestive system, yeah. I mean, after 18 hours, if I'm fast, that in the fast, 18, 24 hours, my, my appetite shuts right off. Right. It's just that first morning wave of hunger that I have to move through. That's it. So what about, what about when you're all eating? Are you, are you still eating raw meat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my preferred source. Total, As total. I said, if I eat it cooked, it's for pleasure. Yeah, all right, yeah. So can you give, give, give our listeners, a, a, you know, like a, an overview of, of the kind of stuff you eat? Uh, well, predominantly seasonally, like the summer is more lighter cuts. So I'll eat, um, we get fresh chickens, fresh slaughtered local chickens. Uh, let's see, we can get um, plenty of fish, fish ceviche during the summer. I'm actually eating quite a bit of lamb this this year uh, during the summer. Ground lamb, any kind of lamb, lamb chop, and then fresh liver and kidney and heart. So those three, and uh, I usually combine those. I just put them on a cutting board usually and just go for it. But then sometimes I'll make a smoothie with it. So I, I blend the three of them with an egg, a raw egg, raw cream, uh, a little jalapeno, and then uh, probably like a teaspoon or so of raw honey. Back in the day, I tried, uh, I, tried I, I ate raw, I went on a raw meat uh, plan for about two to three weeks. I lasted, I think. Uh, yeah. Was, it can wake stuff up because there's a lot more bacterial. Without can tell, I'm going I'm to, you know, I'm going to uh, contact you after this uh, for some recipes and uh, I'm going to give it a try. Like. All right. Well, we'll do that live. can you tell us what's what's just you talk about the seven elements for living what are they yeah the seven elements i learned from leonard orr and it was really uh i was living them and i caught with leonard orr leonard orr is he was a pioneer in what people might not understand is physical immortality so his whole thing was we have adopted a belief that death is inevitable and out of our control. So we actually carry that out and we kill ourselves. So all, everyone's life is suicide in his world. So he wanted to explore worldwide what is, uh, what is physical immortality. It's spoken about in all the Bibles. It's uh, we're eternal life in physical form, et cetera, et cetera. But most people uh, experience life as stressful, so they just want to get out of here. So, you know, whether they do it in 80 years or 70 years or 40 years or 100 years, it doesn't matter. It's still stressful. And if a tree can grow for 400 years, why can't we? If we understand the laws and we take care of ourselves. So is this guy guy still alive? No, he passed about 80 years. uh, No, he was, I don't know how old he was, about 85. But it's it's not only about the length of life. Like I said, it's not... Sometimes we're not in control of the length of life. We're in control of the quality. And the quality is, is how fearful are you of life? 
And what do I mean by that? There's only one fear, the fear of death. Yeah. And the fear of death is highly psycholo psychological. And even though someone says, I'm not afraid of physical death, well, you're afraid of psychological death, which means the identity that you've created. Yeah. So that fear of that identity falling is really problematic, meaning I'm an accountant, I'm an alcoholic, I am this or that. No, you're, you're spirit. Yeah, exactly. I so mean, when I've you... I've drunk the South American uh, plant medicine ayahuasca a few times and I noticed for, um, for a few months, well, for a few weeks, up to a few months after I drank it, um, my fear of death just, just vanished. So <laughs> yeah. I back in, um, you know, as time went on. But, yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example of the fear of psychological death is public speaking for people. Yeah. Right? So it's, the, it's what the number, one of the number one fears in, in people is singing in public or public speaking or doing an interview or cameras. So I had to learn how to overcome that fear of psychological death a long time ago. So I, could, I took on Toastmasters to learn how to publicly speak and feel comfortable and break down that barrier. So that, so that fear is uh, what Leonard was talking about. The quality of life is basically, do you have the fear of death or are you totally liberated? And so he was totally liberated. And Sounds went. It's my the cord on this. Do you have me? Yeah, I've got you. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, he he put together this framework for living, which was the seven elements of healing. We are earth, water, air, and fire. We are mind, love, and rest. Rest is not a natural element. It's actually makes it makes everything work. <laughs> Right. And that and rest doesn't mean just lying down on a couch. It means uninhibited play. Right. Laughter. Uh, just enjoying your life. Yeah. yeah. But I have it set up that there's three different types of rest. So rest can be conscious rest, which is what the yogis practice to get to a state of pure rest and still awake. Most people don't know how to experience that. And they do that through deep meditation. Right. And then the second form is through Qigong, which is essentially a law of nature is consciously at rest in your activities. So you're using the least amount of energy for the maximum effect. So you're not wasting energy. Yeah, I've done, I done, done that for about six months on, uh, on you know, on Paul Jack's advice. And yeah. I was uh, in, in, my, in my front garden, my back garden. Um, for like I say, about six months every morning, I was standing for fifteen minutes, you know, in the tree position. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I swear down, I, I, it sort of like had an impact on the rest of my life. Even of course, it now, does. Even now, like that's there's like a groundedness when I'm. I, I notice when I'm, you know, when I'm going about my business. Yeah, it wasn't. And all you have to do I'm, now is stand. You could access that now. Just stand there for five minutes and access the same experience. Yeah, that's why the great yogis would say, "I could meditate for five minutes." really get into that deep state of samadhi, as they might call it. And what happens is, is they have like a full day's rest. Like they're recharged. In five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. How useful is that in today's world? Yeah. Well, then they just carry on with their, their self-reflection and, and maybe their service to humanity. So yeah. the other, the last form of rest, check this out, is sleep. And guess why people need so much sleep? It's because it's the least form. It's the least beneficial. It's the most densest form. So if you're 
stressed out all day, you're going to need a lot of sleep. And if you're not meditating and if you're not communing with your own true self, yeah, life is going to be exhausting. But so, uh, that doesn't. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to definitely going to start the meditation. Uh, the meditation again. But what, what's you know what, what's your recommendation for people? You know how much is enough? Is it and is it the qigong you, you recommend? So no. Well, meditation right now. There's nothing to gain or get. That's the first thing. People think you go into meditation to get peace. Yeah. You're going to get something. That's the big mistake. That's our program saying something outside of me. I have to obtain. No, you're just going to sit in stillness and silence. And the only thing you're going to do is observe. You're going to observe that you're tired. You're going to observe that you're mentally in chaos. You're going to observe that you're feeling sad. You're going to just observe them and just spend, to be honest, it's better to be more frequent and less time. So like five minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, five minutes, 10 minutes at night and do that daily than it is to do an hour in a week. It's a lot more effective because you're trying to break down patterns of habits. And so to establish the habit, it's so much better to just do. If you can only do one minute a day, it's better than five minutes in a week. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Way better. And, and if you have a lot going on in your life, then you probably have to do less, but more frequently. Yeah, we right? And I, and I used to, I, I used to. It's funny. I used to. I used, did used to enjoy the, uh, you know, the chikung, the uh, the posture. I yeah. did, did a lot for me posture. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's mo- moving on? What's your uh, your three principles of success in health, wealth, and love and relationships? So the yeah, the success. One of them is awareness. You can't go anywhere if you're not aware. So all illness comes from ignorance and arrogance. All our lack of success comes from our ignorance and arrogance. And ignorance is not a bad thing. It just means that we're human. <laughs> I just didn't know, you know? And so that's okay. The arrogance is the more painful one because the arrogance says, I know, but I'm doing otherwise. So from a success point of view, you have to be aware of what you're doing and knowing whether you're doing something that's truthful for you or it's a lie. So getting your yeses and nos correct it's a very important principle. It's a very simple one, but very difficult in its application. Right. So, and then the, the other one is, uh, from a success point of view, is for me personally, I have a bigger bandwidth, meaning I don't narrow myself into something. What do I mean by that? I don't narrow myself into a breath worker. So for me, I expand myself and I have a much broader brushstroke to life. So I want people to just pull back and expand on their life and just say, wait a minute, am I being narrow-minded here? Am I narrowing myself? Am I creating a smaller box? And how do I give the analogy is, if you look at a rainbow, what do you see? You take the whole rainbow and experience it. That's the broad That's the broad spectrum. That's the broad view. We don't just look at the red and narrow ourselves down. We don't look at the yellow. That's narrowing ourselves down. And if we have seven elements of healing, then there's seven colors in the rainbow, then we have to look at the seven elements, earth, water, air, fire, mind, and love, and rest as the rainbow. 
Don't narrow yourself down. Yeah. That. Yeah. Because we are the rainbow. Yeah. You'll get lost in your digestive tract. You know how many people you, you, you follow or I work with that I've been doing this for 20 years on my digestive system. Wow. That's narrow minded. You're just looking at the red color on the rainbow. I wonder why you're not joyful. <laughs> right. So we got to pull back. And uh, that's why I say medicine looks at life from a microscope. I look at life from a telescope. Yeah. So yeah. and then uh, I think a third thing from success is that all we are concerned about as human beings is our health, wealth or loving relationships. And it's important to take a look at what area of that of those three is your most stressful because that's the area of life you need to build and grow in. And that means you have to maintain the other two. So for me, if I had a terminal cancer, health was the most important. So I had to bring my love, my awareness, my broad view, my open-mindedness and open-heartedness to that area of my life for a very long time. And now I'm shifting because I'm stable and I feel comfortable with where I'm at. And I can't grow in that area in my health until I actually stabilize and grow in my career and being of service to other people. So I have to put more awareness into that, which means I have to take it away from my health awareness. So we have to build them all up equally so that we live in a state of more harmony and balance between those three. Yeah, I totally understand. I think it was Ken Wilbur here who used to, he's talking about the same sort of thing. He talks about developmental lines. Yeah. So we've got some. Yeah, the integrative. Yeah, in, yeah, integrative coaching. Yeah. Right. So, but if I if I'm if I love my health and I'm just like lost in there, but now I can't afford good food. Now you're not going to be healthy. <laughs> so we have to expand and we have to say, I have to build this one, get it up. And then I have to find the next one, build that up. And the interesting part of this is love for yourself is the central dom common denominator. So love in relationship with yourself is so important because it's the one that's going to apply to the health of your body. And it's the, also that part of you that's going to be helpful in supporting your mind in creating wealth. Now, wealth is not money. Wealth is your ideas and creativity. And the person that can bring their idea or creativity into tangible reality is the wealthiest. The person that does that the fastest is the wealthiest. And money is a fuel source to help that happen in the plane of living we're in. But let's not... Let's not get stuck on wealth is that I have all these cars and all this stuff. It's not. Wealth is that you're creative and that you're taking that creativity into tangible reality. And that's what wealth is. And so wealth is all in the mind. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now in my process. Cause now it's taken me 20 years to rebuild the body, to feel uh, really pretty good and stable and, and, uh, on course and I have enough life skills in that area. So now I have to build that or put that same mentality into wealth development, taking my creativity out. Yeah. yeah so before we move on to your uh, business and personal goals, what, um, how long, how long is it now since you've uh, been free of the cancer? So 20 years, 20 years doing some right. But uh, let me just, I want to be humble about this too. Okay. So as much as I, 
I have triumphed in one area of my life doesn't mean I don't have any blind spots and that I'm not human and I'm not vulnerable in certain areas. And the second part of the equation is, is really, if I think of myself as the whole family of humanity, I haven't really done anything with cancer. I mean, it's still prevalent and it's still in the mass conscious field. So in essence, we're all still vulnerable to that problem because it's still in the mass conscious field that cancer is inevitable and out of your control and that uh, disease is inevitable and out of your control. So my work right now is having these interviews and getting the message out that we have to all work together because my vision, of course, is to make a contribution to the eradication of chronic degenerative disease as part of the human experience. And the problem with that vision, Stephen, is I can't do it. I can only do my part. And so I don't want to be selfish and saying, hey, I'm great. I, did, I cured my cancer. You know, that's condescending to other people that are actually going through the process. But we have to actually work together so that we can eradicate that process that's in the conscious field. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, uh, you're going to become an author. And I remember saying you've got to write a book. Uh, you know, it's not just, your, <laughs> your book is called, uh, it's going to be called Do the Cure. And I notice that uh, the word cure is an acronym. Um, mm. I've got an acronym for my book as well. What, what, tell, tell us what the, what the QR acronym stands for. Well, I'd love to. I'm going to wait till the book comes out. All right, right, right. You know, and I just want to tease you. But let's just make it practical, Stephen. Let's make it, all the listeners out there, practical. Doing the cure is preventing the illness. Yeah. Right? And so if you think about it, that's pretty, that's pretty simple in its message is preventing it but you're up against a cultural, social, and family traditional programming that disease is inevitable and out of your control. And so that programming is incredibly powerful to override. And so you are taking on decades of life uh, behaviors that upholds that particular program. So now we have to break that program down. And the way we do that, or the way I say we do the, do the cure, is you have to learn to live more in accordance with nature's laws and your true authentic nature. Nature's laws are earth, water, air, and fire. Your true authentic nature is mind, love, and rest. You are energy, thought, and form. Well, right? I can't wait to read your book. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, and let, let me also say some of this is, is my own stuff, but a lot of this is because other pioneers have cut, uh, cut paths and I'm taking the ingredients and putting it through my own personality or personifying. Yeah. So people don't get caught on that. I'm like this grandmaster or of life. I'm just an observer and I'm, I'm smart enough to put things together. So here's the deal. All the ingredients to life are out there. They're already there. All the ingredients to creating your great wellness or health or whatever your miracle is you need to create, all the ingredients are out there and they're in you. Yeah. So just go and grab the ingredients. It's like a good baker going to get the flour, going to get the yeast or the, they put the, they put it together. Yeah. They didn't create that stuff. God creates that stuff. I mean, I've, I say that on my own book, you know, I didn't create this. Uh, the, the, the system is just all the, all the useful things that people have created that I've pulled into my own life and that I use. Exactly. And, and you know what, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned, if you take what I am personifying and utilize it to benefit your life in any way, that's a compliment. 
<laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. And thank you, because then you're participating in helping to create the vision I envision is, why can't we create a world where there's less and less and less chronic degenerative disease to the point of none? Why not? Yeah, yeah I totally agree. So you, you, you've, you, do you see, you've got a podcast, is your podcast out already or is it about to come out or? No, I've started that last summer. I haven't been as aggressive in there. I had some technical, I had a, I had a relationship issue with technology <laughs> that I had a divorce and now I'm starting to try and get married and, and date it again. But uh, my nephew is actually helping me put all my social media together. He's a digital marketing kid, uh, just graduated. So my podcast is out there. It's on Spotify. It's Do The Cure, uh, as you said. And I have my business Facebook page, and I have my Instagram at, uh, I think it's hashtag do the cure and we're building it up and YouTube as well under Dan Hegerich. Dan Hegerich, YouTube channel. Um, so you, you, you mentioned you want to move to a bigger and a better environment. Um, what, what, what's the matter with, with where you are now and why do you want to move? Well, there's a part of me that wants to move. I think it's just, um, yeah, you know, I've been here 10 years and, uh, part of it feels like it's stifling a little bit. And I think maybe just more in a place where I have a, uh, a more outreach with locals that are in alignment with what I want to share. You know, it feels like people agree with what I'm sharing around here, but they, they, they just, it feels like they're just placating it. They're not really diving in. Yeah. Yeah. They're stuck in the narrative of the duality. Yeah. So, you know, you know, in ter- there's a question I want to ask while it's still on my mind. You know, in terms of uh, EMF exposure and um, internet, I obviously spend a lot of time, uh, you know, online because of business and stuff like that. Um, and I do have Wi-Fi. Do you, do you have Wi-Fi or do you have it? Uh, do you have the plug-in connection? Well, I, it's hard to get the plug-in. Uh, my laptop, laptops aren't even making them now that you can have Ethernet connection. So, it's a still a place for me to look into because I have to study that a little bit more and that is circadian rhythm. So it is important, but like I said, if I'm on it, I'm, I'm mindful to wear my blue blockers, especially towards the late afternoon and night. And then the second part is, is to manage it well. So it's not in control of me and obviously getting out into nature as often as I can and put my feet on the ground so that, and get the sunlight on the eyes and on the skin those are all important features to mitigate it as much as we can right now without becoming, um, I guess, obsessively scared from it because it is around us. And this, so I will be looking into it more. I got the 5G summit, uh, I guess, tra- transcripts and all the videos. And I reached out to a guy, Brian Hoyer, who's a real expert at coming in and assessing your environment and giving you strategies for where you live, you know, but like I said, it's all about building pieces, you know, where where are you going to put your energy? Because we only have so much energy and the more we scatter it, uh, the, the less it can actually be effective. So if I'm looking at health, wealth, and loving relationships, I got to put it into this place of wealth development so I can feel of being of service to other people. Health is there and I have some strategies to help me out. So I think it's, you know, I'm fortunate in the Berkshires where there's not that much Wi-Fi. I'm not in a city. Yeah. In a city, that would be, you know, 
I, that that would be a, probably your priority. And then second, either get out or just get someone like Brian Hoyer to come in and, and have him address the issue within your apartment, condo, or wherever you're living, because that stuff can be affecting you and you could be in denial of it. What, what are the call? What are the call that guy, Brian? Brian Hoyer. I think his company name is Shielding Heal or shieldinghealed.com. Brian Hoyer, H O Y E R. So we've got time for a couple of more, a few more questions. So when when you think of success, uh, anybody in particular come to mind? Uh, So it's kind of interesting. So you're saying, can I project, like, if I wanted, if I see that as success, who would that be? You know? And you might be getting an answer like this. (laughs) That's that's crazy. Like, who who would represent success? Like, that's awesome. I think uh, I like Paul's success. I like his, his body, mind, and spirit success. You know, I really appreciate his, I think we had a similar kinship in our minds where it's very vast and wide. He's just a, able to go deeper into certain subject matters than I am, yeah. at least at my, at this time. But he's got a great balance between all three of those body, mind, and spirit, health, wealth, yeah. and loving relationships. And when you get to know Paul as a human being, you know, he's incredibly humble underneath, you know, of course he's a strong, he's strong and he's a, He's a very athletic and, you know, all that stuff. But underneath, this guy's pa- compassion for humanity is oh, unseen yeah. because of that. Well, actually, in my book, I give, uh, I give massive credit to Paul Check for because uh, it was him who actually changed the course of my life. And it yeah. was, that was from the moment I watched his video, Flatten Your Abs Forever. Yeah, 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 right. The title, of, the title of the time appealed was obviously when you get into it, you know it's like nothing about that, isn't it? Nothing, nothing at all. I also uh, success. Mark Mancola is an amazing bioenergetic healer. He he does bioenergetic nutrition through his applied kinesiology system, and that guy, I say, he doesn't heal with that. He heals with his own internal compassion, his presence. You know, so he's created his own success in that regards. Dan Brule. He's a conscious breath worker. He's, he's written the book, um, Just Breathe, you know, and he is on that same plane of, you know, the Wim Hofs and the Sid Severinsons and the breath workers around the world. So he's had a major impact on me and his, his personal success and his freedom within himself. Like these people represent this freedom within themselves that I find are uh, where I'm heading. And uh, I don't project it out there, but I'm going in saying – having this podcast with you is a success because that means I'm heading in that direction. And so that is, I'm already successful. It's, it's, well, I I just want to know these, these final questions I'm asking you probably seem seem a bit shallow to you, but these are the type of questions (laughs) I'll ask everyone. (laughs) We're all asking them ourselves, aren't we? I mean, the listening audience members are asking them somewhere in the, within themselves. We're still human beings. So the, the, the next one is what, what keeps you awake at night and what are you afraid of? And I imagine after beating yeah. time, it's not much. Uh, so the thing that keeps me up at night mostly is I didn't start writing my book. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 is de- that is definitely the devil in my bed. You need to get that done. I'm going to have you. <laughs> so thank you for that. That and, and the anxiety of not doing something towards it. So, uh, I mean, I have a lot written, and it's just a matter of sitting down and putting me in a cage, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt. And that's that, I think that's the wild horse that doesn't want to be trained. 
You yeah, know, the, the wild spirit. Problem. I've got the same problem. I started writing mine uh, year gone February, and I'm, I'm on the I'm on the last part now, and I'm hoping it's going to be out within the, finish within the next thirty days. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's yeah. not far. It's not far away now. <laughs> so, well, I'll, I'll I'll probably tap into you to get some ideas for the book and the way it's laid out and in my end. So, what what advice would you give your twenty year old self? My twenty year old self. Wow. That's that's a great question. Uh, let me let me just see if I can sort some real truth on that. So I I could probably say that um, you know find your way home, and home is where you are. So find your way to yourself. Find your way to your own self esteem. Find your way to your own self image. Find your way to your own um, self value. Like how are you going to value yourself within yourself? How are you going to uh, love yourself within yourself and you know how is your uh, self-image going to be that's within yourself so not held to any standards of outside of yourself you know and to really take time to reflect on that give yourself some time to reflect on that is body mind and spirit yeah definitely so What's, where, where, where can people just just again for our listeners? Where can people connect with you if they want to, you know, if they want to, they want to learn more and more? I think there's a couple of places. One is certainly through my website, danhegerich.com, D-A-N-H-E-G-E-R-I-C-H.com, danhegerich.com, and then from there, there are some links to my Facebook. Uh, I do have a Facebook page that's under Dan or Daniel Hegerich, but then I have a business page. That will be more content driven rather than social driven. And that you'll be able to find under Dan Hegerich. And then the YouTube channel, Dan Hegerich. And certainly Instagram is hashtag do the cure. All right. And of course, the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is uh, do the podcast is do the cure. And you can find that on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. I'll forget you on Instagram as well. Well, Dan, I really appreciate the knowledge and the wisdom you've dropped here today you know, around how to live a healthy life. It certainly helped me and I'm sure it'll help a lot of our listeners. I think you've got a great message and I just want to thank you for being who you are. Uh, in these uncertain times, you've been listening to the Radical Underground. I'm your host, Steve Williams. Until next time, be prepared, be strong and be radical. <laughs>